Welcome to the Crazy Egg Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Follow me on social media at Crazy Egg Fan on Instagram and on Twitter. Crazy Egg Fan Facebook page. Hope everyone's doing well, having a good week. All right, guys, so let's get to it. I'm here to talk about the deadbeat, Ike versus Panathinaikos over the weekend. Nil-nil draw. Second time this season, second time, sh- second match in a row where Ike have dropped points. Of course, it has to be to another rival. Uh, gosh, I, um, so originally I thought about recording Sunday night, but with everything surrounding this match, I mean, and I'll slowly get into everything, uh, you know, between all the fans getting into it on social media all the the drama surrounding the officiating in this match, which was beyond terrible. I don't know, man. I just, I didn't want to come on here and just blast uh, either fan or reporters of Panathinaikos or the way Panathinaikos fans were acting on social media, stuff that I was hearing about, you know, Ike being the new Olympiacos and this and that. And of course, that's something that's thrown out there. I mean, I've, I've thrown that out there. I threw that out there in the very first match in the beginning of the season versus Panathinaikos where they got those two very questionable penalties in the photos. And I get that. Listen, fan banter, it's there. It's fun. It's, you know, like I was really pissed off after the match. I posted a picture on Twitter of, you know, the Ibecos symbol covered in green and having trefilla all around it, having clovers all around it, shamrocks. Um... Supposedly, you know, claiming that Olympiacos and Panathinaikos are the same thing. Um, stuff like that between fans is, is going to happen. Where it really started to get irritating is you were hearing stuff coming from Panathinaikos reporters, which I get it. Listen, if you're reporting on a certain club, you have to kind of fit that, uh, how do you call it, the club um, motto or however the club is reporting things. And listen, fans, it's very hard to be subjective and to see things on uh, without having emotion behind it. Um, so I totally get that. But I don't know. Reporters just irk me a little bit because you're a professional what you're doing. I'm just a fan behind a microphone. So, of course, most of the time I'm going to see things things through yellow and black lenses. I try not to. I try to take a step back. And look at the other, you know, the opponent's point of views or look at it from all different directions. But at the end of the day, I'm still a Nike fan. I'm going to support my club. That part of the fan banter doesn't bother me. And I 100% get it. Um, So let's start talking about it. Um, I'm going to do this kind of like I did a couple weeks ago where I, or a few episodes back where I uh, went through the starting, Ike's starting 11 for this match and some of the players that came off the bench and talked about their performances a little bit while adding some uh, facts and tidbits about um, the match here. But at first, I wanted to do a quick synopsis of what was going on in this match. And let's talk about the big uh, elephant in the room, or Montenegrin, if you want to say it that way. Uh, The officiating in this match. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I know that when it had come out last week, that this particular person was going to be officiating or this official was going to be officiating this match. I knew that I had heard the name somewhere. I couldn't remember. And then 
slowly as it was coming back to people's memories, um, they said that this was the same referee that we had in the Ike versus Olympiagos match in the Greek Cup semifinal first leg. And if anyone, especially those that listen to this that are Ike fans, which I think most of you are probably Ike fans, we knew how that game went. The officiating was not great. Uh, Big case in point in that match, speaking of the Cup semifinal, was the non-penalty given on the pitch, and then he had to go to VAR to give the penalty for the 3-0, Ike's third goal, which was blatantly a penalty. I mean, he was right there. And I remember talking about it after the match and other Ike reporters and Ike fans talking about it, where you were like, okay, we kind of laughed it off. or like, it didn't really make that big of a difference, but it, it kind of did because... You remember a little bit before the three the three nil or it was a little bit after, um, the play where Bob Wena came onto the field, and he called the foul but called the play back after Bineda had taken off and lost to Emchuk and Emchuk clearly fouled Bineda, which Bineda was through on goal. Ramchuk should have gotten a red card, and this clown calls it back and. Uh, calls up to show Valbuena a yellow card for coming onto the field and not having the rest permission to come onto the field. Anyway, I don't know if anyone remembers that. I'm sure many Ike fans do. So from there, we knew this guy was a clown, okay? But I want to know something, guys. And this is what kind of thinking about this particularly, not about this official, but in general, what the heck is Bennett's job officially? What does Bennett do? Because you can't tell me that Bennett watched that film of that particular match, Olibakos and, uh, I mean, uh, Ike Olibakos, the first cup semifinal in the first leg semifinal, and said, okay, we're having a premier match, a battle at the top, Derby Corifiso, right? And he decides, okay, the guy from Montenegro who anyone with a with a blind with with any type of football knowledge anyone who's ever watched football for I'd say more than 5 years who's seen any type of football anywhere in the world could say that this official didn't not that he didn't know what he was doing but the match was just too big for him then all right again I'm talking about the cup semifinal and Bennett said, okay, you know, we're having this first dead be in the playoffs, and I'm going to let this guy officiate the match. <laughs> I mean, how does this happen? And then he just makes a complete mess of things. I mean, Panathinaikos fans do have reason in, in, in complaining, but I have to say that all this mess about Milisanidi wanting Epo, Milisanidi wanting to control the refs, Milisanidi wanting to... Uh, become the new Kokali uh, and usher in this air for Ike where he's going to control everything, that's all baloney because I'll tell you why. The ref had a perfect chance if he was Stimeno, if this was fixed, to give a penalty for Ike in the very last minute of the game. He gave it. Uh, it doesn't matter whether he retract his words afterwards, and I don't know how a person can do this because clearly they're... 
hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world that saw you point to the spot. I mean, unless the guy forgot that, okay, uh, how do I call a foul going the other way? I mean, unless he was just, he just seemed like he, he was overwhelmed out of his league. Um, you know, and the other thing is, okay, whatever, this guy sucked. A lot of the calls on the field sucked. Uh, the whole Haji Safi incident where Panathinaikos is still crying for a penalty. For me personally, I think Haji Safi got pushed in the back, similar to how he did in the first match against Panathinaikos, and they got a penalty in that match. So, and I get it. If you slow it down and, and freeze frame it and whatever you want to do to to a play, we have that luxury. Officials on the ground, referees in the game, they don't have that luxury. Even in VAR, VAR is not going to sit there and look at something for hours on end uh, to analyze every frame. They're going to look at it and say, oh, it, it looks like it was a push in the back. Now, the mistake is, and I don't know how this works, I don't know if the the match official on the pitch can override VAR and say, you know, the the VAR official, in this sense, the Portuguese gentleman that was sitting in the VAR booth, I don't know if he if there was miscommunication or if he just said, you know, just play on, if the match referee can override him, because I don't see how, even on that play, the referee is not called to go check it out. I, you know, it, it's it's above me. Because I seriously thought, I was like, holy crap, that might be a penalty. But then they showed it again on uh, on TV. And I was like, okay, it looks like maybe they didn't call it a penalty because he was pushed in the back. Fine, whatever. You know, we could argue about that all day long. Uh, you know, people out there said it was a penalty, you know, 200% or whatever. I, I beg to differ. I mean, I could see how it could be given. We've seen it given in this league. We saw it given at the first freaking derby in Ike Panathinaikos, in Lofotos. Um, But I still don't see how they don't at least tell him to go to VAR. And the same thing goes for the end of the match. The very end of the game where first he calls a penalty. Now, me watching it live, I said to myself that doesn't look like a penalty. And then when they showed the replay while they were taking the corner kick and I saw Simonski what looked like an offensive foul, I think that the Panathinaikos player sold it. Similar to how, okay, let's be honest here, we'll be fair. Similar to how Hadzi Safi tried to sell it where he was pushed and the ball hit his arm and they, they wanted a handball penalty. I thought maybe, okay, he's going to go see this. It might not stand as a penalty because um, it looks like there's an offensive foul on uh, Simonski. All right, whatever. But the thing that really boiled my blood out of all the bad officiating we saw in this entire match, how he did not go see it on VAR. Now, there is a misconception out there. I was texting um, some friends of mine that are Panathinaikos back and forth and we were talking we were talking about it the other day at the Cafe Nio, and he was saying you know how you know VAR went to go look at that play but didn't go look at the Haji Safi play and I said no 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 he did not go look at it and they were swearing up and down and I said dude go back and watch it go back and watch the highlights or watch the end of that match and you'll see he did not go to VAR 
that's where I got really pissed off because I could see how a penalty was given. Now, they another picture that especially came out of the Panathinaikos camp, Panathinaikos fans and whatnot, they had a picture and said that, uh, I forget the player that um, took down or the player from the Panathinaikos side that was involved in this, uh, but they said he got to the ball first. Well, in live action, when you see it, even on the replay, it clearly looks like uh, Araujo gets to the ball first for, for my end. Now, you know, I've heard it even explained how the other guy got to the ball first, and then, but Araujo gained possession of, as an attacking player, and he was kicked, so it should have been a penalty. I don't know. I would have just felt much better had the referee gone to VAR to look at this. And it's a shame that he did it. And my friend that was arguing with me, we looked it up afterwards, and I said, no, he did not go look at VAR. He went to go give two red cards, one to each uh, bench, to kick uh, some assistance out of the match. Um, so he didn't even go look at the play. And then he calls offensive foul on Araujo. Not Simonski. His, uh, supposedly, he after the match, someone asked him about it. And he said, oh, the side judge told me that it was an, an offensive foul on Araujo. Well, you're in front of the play, man. How are you? I mean, I get that they have to talk. This is like, though, and I know there was a, a good friend of mine that's a Falk fan that posted something about, you know, Ike got cheated, blah, 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 out of a penalty. It felt very uh, Tumba-esque, let's say, with the, with the line judge and him talking. First off, they're supposed to be talking English, and Almeida was trying to ask them what was going on, and they were talking in their own language. And he supposedly said that his line judge told him that it was an offensive foul on Araujo, and that was the call. And then when he was asked about the penalty, he's like, I never called a penalty. And I'm like, okay, gosh, this... Like, how do, you, how do you let a guy like this officiate the match? And I, I promise I won't spend the entire podcast talking about this, but it just and it just really irked me, man. It, like, it boiled my blood so bad. It's boiling my blood right now talking about it. And then, uh, of course, the president of the Super League, conveniently enough, it's Mr. Vagelis uh, Marinakis, who is whatever you want to call it, owner of Olympiacos, majority owner of Olympiacos, is the president of the Super League, says, hey, let's have a vote, guys. I want to bring back uh, Clownerberg. Clownerberg, really? You want to bring back that clown, which was a resounding no. Um, they're supposed to have a meeting this Monday, the 27th. And I I mean, I wish they would pay-per-view this thing. I wish they would pay-per-view it. I would pay money to watch this meeting go on. Uh, Marinaki came out and said... Um, that he was in a meeting with the uh, the Minister of Sport, Mr. Baltakos, I think is his name, and that Meli, like, cursed, cursed him out. And uh, then it came out that uh, Meli, Melisanidi, and Baltako denied that that ever happened, and blah, 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 blah. <sighs> Can I say something, guys? And I don't care if it's Melisanidi, Marinaki, Alafuso, whoever the hell it is. Can all this just stop? Can all this just stop? If I wanted to watch WWE, I would sit down on Monday nights or whenever the hell WWE is on TV, and I would watch WWE. That's a professional fake wrestling, for those of you that don't know. 
it gets ridiculous, man. Like, it's funny from a certain extent, all this soap opera stuff that goes around Greek football. But at the same time, I'm getting tired of it, okay? And we as fans also need to accept the fact that there's a human element to this game. There always will be a human element, no matter how much VAR, how much video comes into our lives. There's going to be a human element to it. There's going to be a time where, you know, I don't know, the, the hand of God play, for example, Maradona, like that's history. Yes, England probably, if you would ask an English fan, they'd still be crying about it, but it doesn't make it any less triumphal that, you know, Argentina won that World Cup. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. I'm not advocating for cheating. I'm not advocating for, for anything, but there's just going to be plays that we're never going to see eye to eye. I could sit down with 10 Panathinaikos fans or Olympiacos fans or anybody, and we could have different points of views on these things, which is okay. And that's going to happen. You know, if this, if, if it happened that I got a penalty at the end of this match, I mean, Panathinaikos got a penalty, almost the same exact penalty against Basianina, and that's the way they won that match. I mean, I'm sorry. Like you're gonna in some games you're gonna win, you're gonna you're gonna lose this way, and it sometimes it sucks because it you know if it comes down to a play like that or or a, a call like that in a match, it sucks when that happens. But that's I mean that's a part of sport. That's a part of life that happens. We have to get over this, man. We can't every time Panathinaikos gets a penalty, they're called the New Olympiacos, or they're trying to take over Apple, or the same thing when Ike happens. Um, but I wish things would just calm down in Greece. I wish things were not so soap opera. I wish, like, Panathinaikos had made a freaking statement about the officiating at halftime. Uh, and I'm not trying to call out Panathinaikos or talk junk about Panathinaikos. It's just this nature of Greek football, I think, needs to stop at one point. If we if we want to be taken serious by the rest of the world, man, like we've lost fans over the years. I'm still a big Ike fan because it, it's it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. I love being an Ike. See, I this is the one team that in in my sports that I really care about. Like I like my other teams. I like the New York Knicks. I like the New York Mets, for example. But this is a team that I absolutely love. And I get where Panathinaikos fans are coming from. And I get where our fan base is coming from when stuff like this happens. But at the end of the day, it's a part of sports, man. And I wish, like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, guys. It's just very frustrating, this whole Greek mentality about about things. And how these presidents and owners won't just let the, the game play out on, on the pitch. With all that being said, there's been a lot of talks on the radios about, um, you know, the the Super League getting better offici- officiating, getting top notch officiating, you know, from the whatever the top shelf, you know, from the from the big leagues. But the problem with that is, and I think Costas Ketsajolu came up, um, <coughs> it said this. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm recording in the <coughs> our little den area here, our little. Um, our little spare bedroom, and for some reason, I don't know if it's something in this place, but it has me get all these coughing spells anyway. So I'll apologize. I'll try to keep it as a minimum as best as I can. But 
how are you going to do that when these leagues are still going on? They need their referees. Let's say, for example, you want um, a German referee, right? You want the best German referee to come referee, let's say, the Derby in Dumba uh, next Sunday, okay? How's he going to do that when in his own league they're having a Derby Corifis, a Derby at the top, between Bayern and Borussia Dortmund? Between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, I, these leagues need those referees. For me, I wish they would go ahead and bring them. That way we could all see that those guys can make mistakes too. I mean, I know a lot of you listeners out there probably follow the Premier League. The Premier League has made atrocious calls on VAR. Uh, the officials have made using VAR. So it's not... and. and we liked the idea of VAR in Greece, but now it's like, it, it even is not enough. Like, we need a VAR for the VAR, if that, if that makes sense. We need somebody to watching the, the, the VAR, you know what I mean? Like, it's like that scene in Casino where everybody's watching the money. You got, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the pit boss is watching the dealer. The security's watching the, the pit boss. The pit boss is being watched by Sam Rothstein. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That's what we need in Greece. We need the the VAR official watching the official on the pitch. And then have another person, another video assistant watching the VAR assistant to make sure they don't, they're not screwing up. You're not going to get something perfect. Because, guys, I could sit here and I could probably sit two referees down. I mean, even at an amateur level. And show them the video of this match and the questionable calls in this match, and you could get two or three or four different opinions. Like it's not, I, I get certain things are a part of the game and certain things are in the rule book per se. That you know, handball, it, handball is one of those calls where you don't know where what the ruling is here uh, lately on handballs. It seems to change every year, um, but I, you know. I don't know, let me put this to rest. And then, you know, all the the stuff that I talked about going on in the Super League, I just wish we could get serious because I really feel like this league has so much potential to grow and they could make so much more money. But the problem is with these greedy owners, it's not actually, I shouldn't say it's about greed, it's a power trip for them. It's the fact that they can control a football club. And if you control a football club in some countries, you're you pretty much have security it's security like you're untouchable like imagine now if even half these rumors which i don't think that they're true about marinakis you know ike fans chant about him being a whatever uh you know a, a, a dealer or whatnot like i said i don't believe any of this it's just rumor it's just stuff that's made up but if that was true imagine like <laughs> The Greek police trying to arrest him on drug charges right now. Uh, they would have freaking, you know, five, six million fans rioting in Greece um, if you were able to touch. So it kind of makes them feel, I don't know if it makes them feel untouchable. Guys, I don't know. It, for me, it's just ridiculous because I feel like they could promote the league so much. And it's it's, it's Greek society in general. Uh, the Super League is a microcosm of what... And, and I don't want Greek people in Greece to get offended at this, but you guys know what I'm talking about. 
it's a microcosm of Greek society as a whole, how backwards it can be sometimes, you know. Um, anyway, let me move on here and talk about the game on the pitch. <clears throat> you know, first half, it was, how do, how do we say it? How do we say it in Greek? It done supa. It was like lukewarm. There's a term in, that's used in Greek where it says it's soup. It was like soup. Like very, you know, uneventful, untasteful. Ike especially, I did not expect them to come out as scared as they did. And I totally get it. They just lost a derby match. Um, did not agree completely with the 11 that Almeida put out there. Now, after the match, he did say, I put those 11 out there to kind of redeem themselves after the Olympiacos match. And I get that, but enough to criticize Almeida. I've said this before, Almeida knows more about football than I'll ever know. But you already have the command and the respect of your players. And the morale is good around the team uh, besides the loss. Like, I don't think anyone would have thought anything had they had to sit the bench. And how do you leave someone like Steven Zuber, who has been your most informed player over the past few weeks, how do you leave him in, on the bench in a match like this? Um, you know, but I can kind of see it both ways. Uh, you know, but they they did come out kind of, I wouldn't say flat, just... Not looking great, not, you know, the energy was there, but you could tell. I mean, if you've watched football for a long time, you could tell when a team comes out there and they're a little hesitant, they're a little scared. They don't take the risk that they normally take. Ike wasn't pressing as much as they normally press. They weren't moving their lines high up like they were. On the reverse side, Jovanovic played this game very smart, and he's played it the way that I've talked about on this podcast. Teams need to play Ike, where you hold your lines as best as you can, and you don't play park the bus, but you also don't take risks defensively. You don't press up high onto the pitch. You don't uh, try to do a lot of build up from the back when Ike are really pressing you. And he he shut down Ike's midfield. He shut down. He said, middle of the pitch, we're going to control the middle of the pitch and let Ike come at us and beat us through the wings. And to try to beat us with their two backs, which <clears throat> we saw Rota have that great opportunity. He was the Mireo of this game, the the one of the tragic figures. Mireo, I think it doesn't translate to tragic, but, you know, he missed that really big opportunity at the end of the first half. And, um, you know, they he, um, Jovanovic was not giving Ike anything in the middle of the pitch. Ike weren't able to pass in the middle of the pitch, you know, they would get shots off here and there uh, that would go um, so very good game plan by Jovanovic. Ike, like I said, first half came out very lukewarm, uh, except for a few chances here and there. Um, they just played, they just looked scared to me. You know, second half was a different story, and I'll get into that in a second. I think... Um, Jovanovic, as he's done all year, has done a great coaching job with uh, with Panathinaikos. You know, they might not be the most talented. They might not have the roster that the other teams do. Now, like I've always said, and I know it was an issue in this match, and you're going to see it be an issue in other matches, the problem with Panathinaikos, and Ike are having a little bit of a problem with this right now, is they can't put the ball in the back of the net. Now, Panathinaikos don't create as much as Ike do. So I think Ike with 
Levy Garcia coming back after this international break, uh, giving Almeida time off for the players and Almeida having time to kind of, I don't know, come up with a different plan. I think you're going to see Ike be Ike again after the, the, um, the international break. Really, I mean, Panathinaikos are a bad matchup for Ike for the style of play that Panathinaikos plays and Ike play. It suits Panathinaikos better, um, you know, because listen, guys, tr- truth, truth be told, I mean, except for this match and then the the beginning part of the second half of last week's match against Libyakos, it's the only time we've seen Ike not play well, not create a lot of chances. You know, last week in the first half, they played good. We could have, we should have at least been up 1-0 or maybe 2-0 last week against Libyakos. Like, it comes back to what I've always said. It's great that we're creating, but you cannot miss your chances in big matchups. And that's what's hurting Ike right now. We're not taking advantage of our chances. Um, <clears throat> so, credit to Banathanagos for their game plan seemed to work better. And then after, you know, about the 75th minute, Banathanagos said, okay... I'm a Mascazzi, meaning like if we get a goal and get out of here with three points, that would be fantastic. But uh, a, a tie doesn't hurt us because, yes, we will have taken a point here in Philadelphia. We got them one more game at home. Even if things are the way they are, we take care of business at home or even get a tie at home. And we're on our way to the title. They have to go up to Tumba and play the next game. And... They get Panathinaikos gets Volos in the next game. So at towards the end of the match, you could really tell Panathinaikos was really playing for the for the tie. Um, another question that I have for Almeida is, I guess he doesn't like the uh, what Van Weert brings to the table, and I'm I don't understand how. Yes, I I get that Araujo was a center forward, and we fell in love with him. As a center forward, he scored so many memorable goals in the past. But this year, that has not been his role. And not to say that you can't plug him in and he, you can't make that work. But you have a player like Ben Witt, who was top scorer in the league last year. Why not throw him in there? I didn't get that. I didn't get why we didn't. Uh, he didn't at least give Fernandez a few minutes. Fernandez in the last game against Panathinaikos, was able to get a penalty, regardless on if Garcia missed it or not, but he, he wreaked havoc. He, he's he got that little bit of flair. Now, I think Fernandez is going to help you out a lot more when he, and a lot of these players that, you know, are coming off the bench, they're coming in situations where it's high pressure, like we either need to score or, or we're, yeah, we need to score, and that's, or... You know, last week when he came on against Sudi Bakos, it was kind of like we're we're three goals down, so you know it's it's an impossible situation. <coughs> anyway, those are just a couple questions that I I would have for Almeida. Um, those are no very quickly. Let me go through the players. Anastasiades, um, great match for him. You know, he was did his job when he was called upon. Second half started, and right off the bat, Panathinaikos catches Ike's defense sleepwalking through the through the the beginning of the second half. And I don't know why. 
we've had this issue the past couple couple of games, um, but we have sleepwalking. I really thought that the I forget who the attacking player was, but he made a cross inside the box, found a wide open Panathinaikos player, and I seriously thought this is it. They're gonna score. The guy takes a shot. Anastasiadis is, is able to block it. It falls to, uh, forget the player's name. Sorry, guys. Um, it might have been Unaidis. I don't remember if it was Unaidis or if Unaidis was the one that uh, had the third shot that went uh, out of bounds. But anyway, the first player takes a shot. Anastasiadis is right there, blocks it, does very well. Panathinaikos player gets the rebound, shoots it again, again, Anathasiazis blocks it, and then another Panathinaikos player, the ball somehow finds, uh, is found to his feet, and he and he shoots it, and it goes wide of the target, but, you know, very sound moment for Anathasiazis, and he, he's done well the past couple of games when he's been called on, you know, I know last week, obviously, he got scored on three times, but when a when when there's three players wide open in the box, I mean, what what are you gonna do? There's nothing a keeper can do. You know, the one of uh, the toughest save out of all these saves over the next the last couple of games, um, where where uh, Bakambu was one on one with the keeper in the first half of last week's game against Olympiacos, and Anastasiades did a great job at closing off the angle to Bakambu and making himself bigger. Uh, that just shows the quality goalkeeping that he is. <laughs> so hats off to him uh, let's move over to Rota great great play by Rota could we get more using CD bet absolutely um, I think especially if we're able to in some in some matches in the future start CD bet and Eliasson where Eliasson I think can help out kind of defensively like track back he's got the speed kind of run up and down that whole right side. That's the fear, I think, for Almeida because we've been attacked so much from uh, wing positions and, you know, like Olympiacos, not so much in the way they scored last week, but all the times we've played Olympiacos and we've seen other teams try this where they try to play a long ball behind the defense and sometimes, you know, Rota has to really get back or Kajisafi has to get back and maybe... Almeida feels like City Bay is just not ready or just not doesn't have that type of uh, endurance, endurance or speed to get back on defense. Brilliant offensive player. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here. Rota is getting a lot of blame from a lot of Ike fans and a lot of people getting on his back. I even heard stuff like we're playing him because we want to sell him because his stock is high and Almeida is being forced to play him. I don't believe that. First off, I don't believe Almeida. You can tell Almeida even if it's Milisanidi himself, I think Almeida has the personality and the confidence in himself that he could tell anyone to F off if he needed to. And um, as far as, you know, I, I don't think that's the case that that's happening. Um, I just think, I don't want to say that Almeida has just his mindset of players and wants to play certain players, Kolimata, as we say in Greek, like we see other managers having, and then all of football, you know, managers have their guys. Sometimes we might have guys in, in the bench. We see this with uh, Liverpool, where obviously playing the younger Tsimikas is better than playing Robertson sometimes, but we still see Robertson getting the play because that's who Klopp likes. Um, you know, Rota might be in that, in that situation. Listen, the guy has played well. 
Do I think CD Bay's got better crosses? Do I think CD Bay's got better finishing? Could CD Bay give us more answers offensively than Ota can? Absolutely. Do I think if CD Bay's put in the position that Rota was in the game against Panathinaikos, the big, the biggest chance of the match that I had? Absolutely, I think he puts it away. Uh, great, great move to get free. And I mean, he made uh, Magnusson. Is that the the center back's name? The Panathinaikos. He made him look silly, and he even fooled a, a goalkeeper like Brignoli, a, a great goalkeeper like Brignoli. Um, had him completely fooled as to where he was going with the ball and had a wide open target and just put it on his left foot and just missed it. I mean, there's, you know, well, it's one of those opportunities in football where we say, how the heck did that happen? How the heck did that not go in? But it didn't go in. But you also see the type of confidence that he has because normally, and I heard this from um, listening and I've promoted this show before, if you're a Greek speaker, Enosikliadziar, Stavros Kazajoglu, and uh, old Ike great, and Greek football great, uh, Borbokis, have a show where Borboki comes on the day after the matches and breaks down. Um, and he had said something great, that this is a point where if this happens to a player, he gets on his knees and is like pulling his hair out. And Orota like was trying to amp up the crowd. Like, it was getting him, you know, that's how much confidence this guy's playing with. But let's move on from Rota. Just to... I I just feel like the the kid's taking a lot of heat that he shouldn't be taking. I mean, if Rota could finish, he wouldn't be playing for Ike. If Rota could finish and had the other skill sets that he has already and had a little bit better finishing and crossing... You're talking about Ike would be selling him for twenty five million over this over the uh, the summer transfer window. So, uh, Mitoglu actually uh, before I came on air, I was reading something about uh, him. Um, he just signed a three year contract extension with Ike Bravotu. Um, I'm sure that makes him feel confident. I'm sure also there's probably a lot of teams looking at Mitoglu. Like I said, I think for this kid to prosper, because I think he's got the skill. I think he's got the confidence. Um, as much as I would love to see him stay at Ike, and I think any Ike you would want would want to see him stay at Ike. What what better way of continuing that tradition of having a great Greek center back um, like Mita Blue on the on the roster for at least three more years, if not more? Uh, and his style, his play this weekend, he played phenomenal. I really do think maybe at, at some point, you know, if Vida comes back from this international break, not rejuvenated from having a break and looking a little bit better like he did at the beginning of the season, I really think Midoula should get a chance at him having that starting job with, with Mukudi. They played very well on um, <clears throat> on Sunday against uh, Panathinaikos. He was one of our top players. I mean, the way he trekked back on, one, on a couple of plays and chased down Mancini... Uh, was just phenomenal. Mancini's a, a fast player. Mitoglu, I mean, if you really look at him, he has great ability on the ball. Great in it. He is um, great, just a great overall footballer. We've seen him, we've seen him score off of corner kicks, off of set pieces. He's got an eye for the ball. 
uh, great passing skills. I mean, I know at times, last, especially last season, he was trying to do too much. I think at the beginning of this season, a couple of starts that he got, he was trying to do too much. It's great that he's had Mukudi, even Zabella, and especially Vida there to kind of, and hopefully, and you could see they're, they're helping him at training. Uh, just a great game by him. Let's move on to Haji Safi. What can you say about this guy? He's a straight-up professional. I feel like I say that every week about him. He, great game, except for the fact he really needs to, next time we put Panathinaikos, I think we should just tie his hands back. He's got a problem with playing against Panathinaikos and putting his hands up at the wrong time. Uh, Simonski, I think, was okay in this game. I know that I've heard this from Mike fans, and I know we all, we uh, hear about it and talk about it. <clears throat> Why is Almeida so persistent in playing two defensive midfielders with him and Jonsson, especially in games where you need more creativity, you need more out of your midfielder, midfielder than just defense? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if he feels safe, if he feels that playing Simonski in that role right above the center backs um, just kind of helps them more and helps the team be more defensively secure. I don't know. I, I thought Simonski was okay. You know, I didn't think, especially after a result like this, that I don't think that you could say any player is was fantastic. But you know, moving on to Jonsson, uh, great player. I mean, honestly, I thought the three best players for Ike were on the pitch were Mitoglu, Haji Safi, and Jonsson. I think Jonsson, great passer, great passer in, in, in short distances. Uh, you know, they did not let Panathinaikos attack their midfield and did not let them get on the break like they did Olympiakos uh, a week ago. Um, you could tell they really focused on that. Uh, missed a couple of great opportunities right after Panathinaikos' chance in the second half. Literally, Ike went down the other way and had two great opportunities of their own. Uh, don't know what more he can bring offensively, but he's just, uh, I think he's a standout footballer. Very good uh, midfielder in general. I mean, he's not going to give you that flair that Pineda can. He's not going to give you, uh, but you could tell strong has a great head on his shoulders, has a high football IQ, um, but there's only so much you can do. Um, Amrabat, tragic. That's all I have down for Amrabat. I mean, both in this match and in the match against Libyakos, you know, he, 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 look, I'll come, I'll come out and say it straight up. He deserved a red card in both matches, in my opinion. Uh, just the way he was shoving people after plays, um, just, you know, yeah, I understand that Amnabat can give you that intensity, can give you that tzabuka when you need it, can give you that, uh, that resiliency, that, that good anger, if I can call it that, um, on the pitch, but on the flip side of it, I don't know if he was trying too hard, if he's getting burnt out, if he's trying too hard to be like that enforcer on the pitch. 
that he is. I mean, that's his personality, but it, it was way too much, way over the top, way over the line, um, deserved a red card. I mean, obviously everyone in the world saw it. I know that Panathinaikos fans were irate. Panathinaikos was irate at the end of the half about him not getting a second yellow. I was surprised that he didn't get a second yellow. I think it was too much over the top. And I don't know. I don't know if Eliasson still isn't feeling feeling match fit. You know, some players, it takes a little while for them to, to recover from injury. He, Eliasson's definitely not the player that we saw pre-injury. Uh, not to say that he's not slowly, he doesn't have the, he hasn't had quality moments since then. Yes, he has. For me, I'd almost, I, I wish, like, and I hope in the future, Almeida kind of reverses their roles. I hope that, Eliasson starts, and I know I've said this a few times, and then Amrabat can finish off a match, because I really think that's where you need Amrabat. That's where you need someone that can hold the ball, that can get you a foul, that can uh, be the, 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 that tank that you need at the end of the match to, to be able to, to hold the ball, to get in, into the defense's head, to, to keep the, def- the defense honest. To, uh, you know, that guy that you could just throw out there where you know he's going to give it his all. But I think Eliasson just gives you much better crosses, much better speed, can help out more defensively. And then Amrabat just hasn't been, honestly, just hasn't been playing with a clear head the past couple of matches. And, and it's and it's Kostike. And, you know, and, and the other thing is to take it back to Rota. They don't team up together. They don't team up well together. They don't, uh, you know, Rota can't overlap. You can't over do overlapping with a player that holds the ball as much as Hamanabad does. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm tired of talking about this every week. Like, I know he can give you other stuff on the pitch, but as I said, and I think a lot of you would agree with me, that's stuff that a play, Hamanabad can give you at the end of a match. That's what you need at the end of a match, not starting out these games, and especially the way that he started out. Uh, Pineda... I mean, playing out of position, he hasn't been the same Pineda that, you know, Pineda hasn't done Pineda things in a while. I mean, he, him and Araujo, I think, unless you really aren't paying attention to what's going on on the pitch, are easy targets for people to say, okay, you know, like, oh, Araujo, then he got Tipota, you know, I've heard that from everybody. Why do we keep insisting on playing this player? They got any Tipota, then you have to spoil on Araujo. But he does all the dirty work, man. Like, I get it. He was not good at playing center forward the past couple of weeks. Um, but he hasn't played that all season. Like, his role has been different. Um, he He does the dirty work. He does a great job playing behind the the, the center forward. Um, you know, just, but Pineda playing out of position, and I get it, I like utility guys, I like people like Hadzi Safi, where you could, you know, if you have a bad injury, or have a couple of bad injuries, and you don't have a midfielder, you can plug Hadzi Safi in the midfield, you can plug him on either side of the, of the back, you can play him at left back, you can even, I think he's even played right back at, at some point, um, <laughs> Pineda, the same thing. Pineda can play anywhere in the midfield. He can play He can play on the wings. He can even, you know, I've even seen him at that kind of a more stretched out left back position this season. Um, great. Gatsinovic. I mean, I don't know what's up with this guy. I don't know if he was trying, if he's been trying too hard. I don't know if the pressure's kind of getting to him. 
in general, I don't know what's going on with this team. I can't get a clear answer, but I want Ike fans to do one thing for me. Sit back, close your eyes, and think where we were a year ago to where we are now. I mean, it's a world of a difference. Yes, it's going to suck. Like I said, it would be a travesty if if Ike right now still in the thick of things, still chasing the double, um, which is terrific. But then on the other on the, on the flip side of it, that might not happen, and it would be a travesty if this team, you know, finishes the season with no uh, <clears throat> with no trophy. Uh, but it's you know at the beginning of the season, what did we say? We just want to see improvement on the pitch. We just want to see better football. We just want to see us getting better, not bowing out of Europe, not losing on the last match day of the playoffs to freaking Adis when we're up 2-0 and losing, getting scored on three times in the last 15 minutes of the, of the match and getting embarrassed. Um, another quick thing I that I like to mention, hats off to, and I probably should have mentioned this in the beginning, uh, original and and uh, Ike in general for honoring uh, the late news Papanuano during the game. Um, just a a great tribute that gave me goosebumps. Um, did I go through every player? Yeah, and then Zuber, you know, coming off the bench, Mandalos. I don't know, guys. I know it's kind of disappointing. Like the last two games, we've had a, a two home games against Ribeiros and against Panathinaikos, and I picked up one point. Not all hope is lost. Let me briefly talk about Tumba a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a, or if I'm going to do a, a preview pod. I probably will, even if it is for just a short time next week. Um, but heading into Tumba, massive, massive matchup. You know, both for us, it's a must win for both us and Balk. Uh, for if Balk beat us, they're able to be right back in the thick of things. They'll be five points behind Panathinaikos. We could end up fourth if we lose. So mathematically, we wouldn't be out of it. But for me, the team's psyche, psychologically, Ike is an organization, team morale. It's going to be very hard to to come back from another bad result in Dumba. I think we at least need to get a point. I mean, a victory would be great. I said it at the beginning of last week's podcast that I think over the next two games, I really need to pick up four points to hold their confidence, to stay up there. Um, Simply because I felt that I thought the three points was going to come against Panathinaikos and it would have been great for us to get three points. Again, for morale, going into this international break, Going into the afterwards the the derby in Tumba and going into Tumba as, as league league leaders. If we would have beat Panathinaikos, we would have been the league leaders. Um, so I think that would have been great. But now we get to a point to where we have to win. There's no like this is gonna be a, a mayhem like in football terms. Okay. I don't mean anything by that. I just think that, the gosh, if we don't win this match, I could see fan morale grumblings getting worse. 
I think people would be outrageous to be calling for Almeida's head, but I could see some extreme getting out of this Ike fans. And it's your opinion, if you feel that way, for you to say that. And you have to kind of, I know that with me talking about Ike fans back and forth, talking with Ike fans, you know, you have to take it this way. And I've talked about this before. We're a team that, yes, we, from the beginning of the season, Ike means we're going for the championship and the cup. And traditionally, a good European run. I know that hasn't happened. Some of you other fans, Olympiacos fans, Panathinaikos fans, whatever, might laugh at that, Balk fans. But that's always what Ike, that's how I grew up rooting for Ike, is that's our, that's our goals at the beginning of every season. We're going to do our best to try to get the championship. We know it's hard against a good Olympiacos team traditionally the past 25 years. If Panathinaikos are good or, you know, Balk has been good the past few years. It's going to be tough, but we're gunning for a championship. We're definitely in the hunt for the cup. And then a, a decent showing in Europe. That's how I grew up. But we haven't had our, our fill. Like I said, and I have that same feeling too. If we're in the hunt, like it's going to be heartbreaking for me if this team doesn't win this championship. Because you don't know what next year brings. You don't know what type of transfers you're going to make. And it's not all up to you. We've seen Olympiacos are probably going to be better. Panathinaikos are getting better. Balk have young talent and look good. You know, it, you know. hopefully it's, it's, it's just as good as a, as a league as it is this year. We don't know. And I get that. And that's what frustrates you. You're like right there. You're right at the top. You could taste it. You could, you know, uh, the other day that... Um, kids song I was singing it with my kids the Itanana Micro Calavi and it shades of you know hearing that chant back in the day that came to mind and it was like kind of frustrating like I kind of rolled my eyes to myself because I was like you know man uh, so I get it, guys, but let's not completely lose sight of what's going on. Yes, in the moment, I was mad at the world. I was mad at Rota. I was mad at the ref for not for calling a penalty and then whatever BS excuse he gave for not even going to VAR. I was mad at fellow Panathinaikos fans for talking so much junk. I was mad, you know, yeah. But over the past few days, I took a deep breath and I said, okay, it is what it is. We have to move on. Um, we're in just, this team is playing, this team is playing the best football in Greece, regardless of whether we win the championship or not. You can't convince me that there's another team that's playing better football right now. Maybe, and honestly, maybe it's, it's Bauk. So we're going to see the most two informed teams in the, in the Greek Super League going at it. it it's going to be, oh, and Luchescu and his freaking comments. I don't know how, like. How can the person come out and say the things that this guy's saying and not get in trouble is beyond me. But let me move on here. I can't believe this episode took so long. I hope you guys don't mind me rambling on and on. Um, I'll be back next week to talk more about Duba. I hope everyone enjoys the international break. Before I go, guys, a few words. Ike basketball did the best they could. It was the first basketball game against uh, Malaga that I watched the other day. Um, Malaga is the favorite to win the Basketball Champions League, and I went toe-to-toe with them. They ended up losing by 10, but again, as 
with the first man. As with, excuse me, as with the first match in Malaga, um, as with the, the first match they played in Malaga, um, I kind of, they didn't give up, but they kind of, you know, just let the game slip away late and ended up losing by 10. But it was actually much closer than that. I think definitely in this game, Williams was missed. Giannis Strelnik was missed. Those players hit, you know, in, in the game against Galatasaray and all season, the little bit that I've watched on and off all season that they've hit big shots going down the stretch. Their three-point threats. The team, though, did play great defensively. And, I mean, they came in second in a group. Yes, if they would have beat Malaga in this match, they would have had a better record and would have been, uh, would have finished first, which is really, really surprising. But at the same time, um, you know, all this means is that uh, they're going to, in the quarterfinals now, they're going to play a best-of-three series. Good luck to them. I don't, I forget who their opponent is going to be. Uh, best-of-three series, but they have to play on the road. Um, so... Hats off to Ike, BC, again. And supposedly I've heard there's some big news coming for, for Ike, BC. I don't know what that is yet, but I've heard a couple of Ike reporters mention it. Um, also, the crowd that showed up, hats off to you guys. Anybody that's listening to this that made it to the match, again, for Malaga. Uh, it's it's really refreshing to see Ike's Lao, Ike's supporters get behind this team now they really deserve it i mean and no one would have blamed mr agilopoulos marcus agilopoulos for for giving up on this project you know for him if he wasn't such a from what i've heard a crazy i could see a crazy ike fan that he probably in a business sense this poor guy sitting here losing money um he probably would have gave up on them a long time ago and then who would who could have blamed him but, you know, hats off to the supporters for even supporting it more, especially now that Ike need us uh, both competitively and just um, it, it, it's a it's a loud, ruckus place up there in Anangosha. I know it's out of the way. I know it's not traditionally like we'd love to have a basketball stadium in Philadelphia or somewhere close to Philadelphia. But right now, that's just not possible. Um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal job by Ike BC. Very proud to watch this team play. Anyway, guys, I've held you guys for almost an hour. Let me let you guys go. Uh, Forza, I got up. Respond up with you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Nikki game. And enjoy your weekend. And I'll be back next week.